Welcome to the Illustrator Studio. I am Jesse Kowalski, Curator of Exhibitions at the Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. The Illustrator Studio is a weekly interview series, a project of the museum's Rockwell Center for American Visual Studies. In part two of my interview with Bob Eggleton, we explore his early career, his meeting with innovator Ray Harryhausen, and his favorite Godzilla film. What was the first artwork you sold? Oh, my first professional sale was when I was 16 years old, and I did a painting of a landscape, of an English landscape with a mill on it, and it's in Wales, I think. And I sold it to one of my mother's friends who she commissioned it. And I got a whole $50 for doing it. And it was a 16 by 20 painting. And boy, that was a lot of comic books back then. Uh, and it was my first professional sale. And with that came yet something else. And so, I, but I wasn't a professional artist at the time, but it was, it was kind of like, a, it was my first sales. And then Later on, I had kids asking me to draw superheroes for like 50 cents. And I would do that. And that added up to a lot of 50 cents. And, <laughs> and, and, and that was in high school. And, and uh, so I was doing that kind of back then. And, and now, uh, and then right after that, I was kind of chomping at the bit to go and do artwork. Yeah. And what was your first uh, illustration job? I probably, I did a lot of work for, it's, it's a little bit vague in the past. I did a lot of work for a lot of local papers. They had like, there's this thing called the new paper, which actually was kind of a free press kind of thing. And alternate, you know, kind of a rock and roll free press kind of thing. And they, I, I did cartoons for them on a weekly basis. And that was nice. And at the same time, um, I had gotten a job working in an art supply store. I literally walked into the place on, uh, and landed this really good job with full benefits. And I got a 40% discount on the art supplies and to the point where it's a old mom and pop place. And um, it was on Angel Street in Providence or Thomas Street, sorry. So it was a very historic location, which the actual address is mentioned in an H.P. Lovecraft story. That's how that's how <laughs> historic. And and right around the corner was was where Lovecraft lived. So so um, you know I was in the neighborhood. And uh, anyway, the store would say, "Hey Bob, you know we got these new oil paints." And uh, the rep said they're really good. Could you give them home and give them a bash? Or you got these new acrylic paints. So as a result, I started getting all of these. I was just massing this great art art supply collection for like nothing, and the school catered to RISD. So what had happened was um, RISD was right next door. All the teachers came in, and these are guys like David McCauley, Chris Van Allsburg, um, uh, you know, big name guys. And uh, they would say things like, hey, you know, uh, why don't you come over to our, our, I'm doing a critique with the students, come on over. And I'd come over, walk in, sit down, sit in the back, watch the work get critiqued. And I'm thinking, my God, I'm getting a RISD education for nothing. It's great. So, so that's, that was one of the perks of doing that. And, and, I, and, you know, and I had this good job where I talked to students all the time and I asked them how they were doing and what they were learning and things of that nature. And it was really great. To, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a great, it was a great little fun thing. And, I, and, and they were closed on weekends. So I had my weekends off. It was great. <laughs> And did you always uh, intend to become an illustrator of fantasy and science fiction? I'd always wanted to, yeah. Because and the other thing that happened was in 1979, this is a very big moment for me. 
78, I picked up a book called Tomorrow and Beyond by Ian Summers. And it's got, it's a watershed book and it's got all of the newcomers at the time, Michael Whalen, Carl Lundgren, Don Mates, Rowena Morrill, uh, all these, these artists who were all newcomers and, and had the Hildebrands and everybody in it. And I said, this is amazing stuff, you know? And there's no Amazon, right? So I bought it at Walden Books. And then the next thing I knew, I was, I got, I got wind of a, uh, I got to know a guy named Eric Ladd, who was a book cover artist and the local paper did an article on him. So I called him up and I said, can I come down and talk to you? This is kind of what I want to do. So I went down and spent the afternoon with him, showed him my work. It was very, it was very spotty. And, you know, I was just learning some things and he just saw so much in it and he gave me so many tips to work with and, and, and how to do this and how to deal with this. And so I was on this learning experience with Eric. And then he said, well, you got to really come to a science fiction convention. I get a good one for you. It's called Bosco. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, he said, it's just up in Boston. He goes, you get the bus up and he said, go to the Sheraton. He goes, I'll be in there and you can come and see the art show. And it was like $5 to get in. So this is February 1979. It was a freezing cold day. I went up there and I saw, um, I walked right into Michael Whalen's The White Dragon painting. I walked right in the room and there it was. That's the first thing I ever saw. And it was like, bang, my jaw hits the floor. It was so cool. And I saw Don Mates' work. I saw, uh, oh, all kinds of people. Courtney Skinner. I saw, uh, 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 you know, Eric Ladd was there. And then Carl Lundgren was there. And Ron Miller was there. And all of these great guys that I, I had only seen this stuff in magazines. And they had the, there was the art. And so I said, that's it. I'm going to do this is what I'm going to do. So that, that was a big, big moment for me. Uh, and when did you know that you'd finally made it as, as an illustrator? Well, um, I started going to these conventions and what had happened was a publisher named Jim Bain came up to me and this is a very different time, 1982, 83. And what was happening was all the science fiction universe converged on these all professionals and art directors and editors and writers. And it was the perfect storm to associate with these people and they'd have parties at night where they would get, I mean, it'd be great for them because there's a big tax write-off for their, for their company where they would sponsor a big open party. So everybody would come in and we'd get cover flats of co upcoming covers. So it's like this nice little gallery of stuff I was collecting. And then you get to meet them. And then I met this one guy named Jim Bain, who was an old fashioned editor. He's passed away in 2006, but he's at the time he was like Don Wolheim and a few others that were kind of discoverers of but David G. Hartwell was another one. He would discover, they would discover um, writers. And um, he said to me, you know, he looks at my stuff and he said, I would love you to do covers for my new company called Bain Books. And I would like Yo, I'm there. Okay. So I sent some slides down and he bought one. He bought a slide off me, which was great. And that was my first paycheck for a, a book that was a, 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 a you know, he, he did it as what they call pickup art. Then he said, I'll give you a book to, to, to illustrate. So he hands me this big, thick manuscript. Then he says, go read that, come back with some sketches. And, and then we're off and running. And, and that's kind of about the time when you know, I, I knew when I was getting checks per month, I knew that I really had done something really great. And uh, and then it was not long after that that I, I got nominated for a Hugo in 1988, my first Hugo Award in 1988. And I would stay on the ballot until 2012. 
in one way or the other. And I won eight Hugos and I won one for best related book in 2001. So it's nine altogether. I've been to your residence and your studio, and I noticed that you have a treasure trove of uh, popular culture items. You have oh, toys, yeah. toys of all kinds, several Godzillas. Uh, I don't know how many you've got. Uh, many art books. Uh, so it seems to me that uh, that you, like me, are a, a man who never grew up. Oh, I, you know, that that's what's really weird. I'm 60 years old, and I don't feel like I've grown up. Uh, Ray Harryhausen said to me, I uh, once had breakfast with Ray Harryhausen. This is my this is a great awkward moment in my life, and I'm not going to tell you about it. It's hysterical. I was at a model show, model a toy and model show that was in Boston in 1994, and the guest of honor they brought in was Ray Harryhausen and his wife uh-huh. Diana. And of course, they listed me. I did the T-shirt design for it, so I had to do Ray Harryhausen monsters on it. And they gave me a hotel room for the night and a table, and it was it was all picked up. It was great. And uh, Ray Harryhausen comes up and he's like, oh, God, I love your dinosaurs. I love your art. I know Ray was like, you know, that. And so we're sitting at the breakfast table. It's Ray Harris, him and, and me and a couple of other sculptor guys. And we're just talking like kids about why we love 33 King Kong, why we love that movie <laughs> and how all of us would have, what would we have been if we hadn't seen that movie, you know? And so it was my turn to go to the podium. It was very, kind of a little bit formal. It was like, and they said, you know, I want you Ray Harryhausen. And I was still star. I was still trying to contain my starstruckness. And I'm sitting there. He, he's like right here with we're eating breakfast. And this is the guy that I, you know, I loved all of his movies growing up. And, and I get up at the t- podium and I go, and next up, I don't have to say his name, but he's have <laughs> Harry, I, I literally got tongue-tied and I went, I went Ray Harryhausen like that. So it was just, I was just so absolutely shaking and nervous about it. And, and we had a great conversation. He hates Godzilla, but, but that's, that's it. And I told him that I told him, I said, and he doesn't, he doesn't like us. He's it's a man in a suit. I said, well, actually the first appearance was a puppet that they use. And I said, and you Ray have used puppets in yours and you used a guy in a suit in a couple of your movies. So, like that, I caught him. I caught him good on that one. And he goes, "Okay, all right." Okay. <laughs> and and, um, and uh, he he was really great to um, to me. That was a, a really great moment. And what is your most meaningful possession? Ooh, probably. Well, I, I I don't have it to show you here, but it's upstairs. I have it in a frame. It's Godzilla's top jaw from Godzilla two thousand. Wow. My friend Shinichi Wakasa gave it to me in Japan when I was on, um, I went over to visit them in the early 2000s several times. And I ended up in 2002, I ended up in a running from Godzilla in a movie. Um, and you can barely see me for about two seconds. I just fall. I, I, it's like, here's me. And I fall right out of frame as the camera tilts down and um which movie was but that? it was it was incre- and it was i got invited to toho and we saw the special effects shooting and how they did everything so uh rudimentary absolutely rudimentary do you collect art oh yeah 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 i collect i just this year earlier last year about a year ago i had bought a richard powers painting of king kong it's the one where he's fighting the t-rex 
And it's a cover to a book that was an illustrated version done for kids that I bought in 1976. And I always loved that cover painting. It's it's real chartreuse green and, and it's Kong and this T-Rex and Richard Powers did it. And he was just, just paying his bills doing these things. And so I did, um, I saw this and at this gallery and the, the, at the same time, the estate, uh, the guy selling it, a friend of mine uh, in the reception, he called them and they said, Oh, well, you know, we love Bob. So, so give him a 50% discount. So they did. And it was like, so, <laughs> so it was, I, I, I put some money down and later on I went to, up to pick it up. So I collect that. I've got a Morgan Weasling. You ever heard of Morgan Weasling? He was a movie poster artist in the nineties and he vacated commercial art to go into kind of these, um, uh, you know, paintings of, um, of Native Americans and paintings of, of little girls with flowers and this sort of thing. He's a real, a real uh, regular in um, uh, books like Fine Art Connoisseur and uh, other things like that. He did a Godzilla painting that was done for a toy that was never made. And my friend Jane Frank was helping him liquidate his old commercial art that he didn't want anymore. And I got this thing in an absolute bargain. And it was like, it, it's, it's, that, that's a beautiful piece. I've got a small Don Mates piece. I own a Kelly Fries and I have a uh, Paul Lair painting um, that I really love too. It's, 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 it's really quite lovely. Um, and, uh, and, and what remarkable about them is these guys, Paul Lair is a great artist that I love. And his stuff is very small. It's only as maybe this big, 12 by 16. The field of illustration has often been looked down upon in the art world, as you probably know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even in the world of illustration, I don't think fantasy artists have quite uh, gotten the respect that they deserve. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, it's because I think that the, the whole fine art thing, there's a... Um, book out called seven days in the in in the in the in the art world i think it's called and it literally is the most depressing thing you'll ever read in your life and it, and it's all about the fine art modern art scene of like and basically have people told what to buy they, they have no that's the difference with fine art with illustration people that buy it and and love it they know what they love they know what it's all about they're into it they're fans of it they know what it's all about with 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 fine art the problem with that is is that um it's it's all based on like well you know uh oh my uh my financial agent tells me this is a good piece or, or whatever they may not even understand it but they but they but that's what it is and and unfortunately it's an invented press it's like they they come along and they say um they they invent all these like things around it like oh this is a modern they use the word postmodern a lot and 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 they say uh because it sounds good and and they say it's a postmodern statement on our society and this is what i was dealing with when i was looking at rodan college and risd back as i was saying earlier in the late 70s that's all it was was this kind of like this go be go be a fine artist that doesn't know how to draw do anything like that and mm -hmm. and i you know so so yeah and, and and unfortunately it's because it's not so much that it's illustration. I find any representational art, a, a lot of it does get looked down upon. And, and, and like even, even back in the day where they were telling John Singer Sargent, you know, don't do this. They told Winslow Homer, don't paint the ocean. You know, nobody paints the ocean. Don't paint. What do we remember it for? You know what I mean? And, uh, uh, you know, he, he's another great influence and it's like, you know, and, 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 <clears throat> 
this is what I, you know, it's all people like representational work, but but they 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 the critics kind of mystify things so that people think, oh well, you know, this is mysterious and weird and and uh, and and I guess it must be worthwhile. So I'll 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 I'll, I'll respect it more. Uh, what are your thoughts on the the younger generation of illustrators? Oh, there's so many people that have come up, and they've had more chances than I ever had in my life. Um, uh, just the internet. The internet really opened that up. And uh, I mean, there's kids in high school that are doing book covers and things of that nature. Um, and the younger artists, I, I just say to them one thing, don't sell yourself cheap. Don't, don't, don't feel like you're doing like, you know, because a lot of people they meet, they, they do something and it's great, but then they do it rock bottom price. And, and then they'll say, oh, they'll say, you know, oh, you know, you know, I'll do it for exposure. No, no, it, it just, always hold the line on things to be a professional. Yeah, I think Donato Giancola posted something about a Hollywood studio was looking for an artist uh, uh, to create. Oh yeah, they run like a contest. I, I, I put some some comments on there and Donato really liked all my comments because <laughs> I said the whole thing is like, uh, I, I love Donato, he's a great guy. What what it was was it's 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 a way of these these you know look at let's look back at like Drew Struzing, um, oh, uh, Bob Peak Bob Peak is a wonderful artist and his son is on Facebook and he puts up Thomas Peak and he puts up his father's work all the time and it's so glorious to see these movie posters for the Star Trek movies they were all painted and drawn and there was another artist that you might. Uh, my people might miss his name's John Alvin, and he did a lot of paintings in oh the eighties and the nineties, and so much so in the nineties that he and his wife opened up. They they converted their garage in California into a into a, a, a like kind of an agency where they did the type, they did the copywriting, and he did the illustration, and he did all kinds of stuff for Batman and uh, all kinds of movies. I mean, just too numerous to mention, and. His and he did a lot of animated films. And his wife, his widow, he died sadly of a young age, a heart attack. And he, his widow wrote a book that Titan Books put out. And he said that she said in it that somewhere in the 1990s, and Struzan would agree with this, they had decided that painted looking movie posters that we love uh, denoted that it was an animated movie. And mm. somebody thought that up. And the big thing, the big telling thing was when. Drew Struzan was asked by Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, powerhouse guys, to do the poster for the last Indiana Jones movie in 2008. And mm -hmm. the Paramount Pictures was like somebody was about 20 something years old in there. And they go, well, you know, I, you know, I don't think that that's, you know, I don't think that that's kind of real old school and it'll, it'll look like a painting and blah, 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 blah. And the word, the, the, this is no word of a lie. This is what had Steven Spielberg literally said, will you get in there? Will you talk? Can help us talk to them like that and i mean it's a different generation and then what they did is is donato pointed out in that thing is they they decide oh let's let's run a contest for these things now and we'll keep all the rights and we'll use the artwork the way we want to use it they did this uh four years ago with kong skull island they didn't even they had an imax movie poster contest you didn't get anything for it except flown to a really cool IMAX theater and you get to see the movie with the cast. That was about it. Yeah. And, uh, but, and, and the, and, and a boy you want, you know, that kind of thing. You know? 
Um, I know you hear from a lot of fans from around the world. Uh, do you have yeah. a regular work schedule or do you base your schedule on the number of fan requests and corporate commissions you receive? Yeah, I try to base things on it. Uh, in the last couple of years, I had some minor health issues I had to address. And then, of course, the pandemic comes along. And that really, despite everybody, and everybody went through this, despite everybody saying, oh, I'm going to get a lot of things done. They didn't get a lot of things done. They thought they were going to get done. And, uh, you know, so I, I have a kind of a thing where I, I you know, I, 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 I very prolific. I do a lot of paintings a year. But what happens is lately has been interesting is it's, it's, it's less I'm interacting with fans more than anything and people commissioning artwork for themselves, for their own paintings, rather than doing, say, uh, book covers. I, I am doing I will say I'm doing the illustrated King Kong. And it's going to be a beautiful slipcase book uh, sometime probably next year or probably the 90th anniversary of King Kong coming up in two years. Mm -hmm. And um, then I'm also doing another Clark Ashton Smith book, which is a beautiful imagery. Uh, and these are illustrated niche books, what they're called. They're, they're beautifully, beautifully de detailed in a pointed slipcase, all nine yards. And, the, and that's really what I like my work in. Um, what the other thing it cropped up on my life again was something from 25 years ago. I did these things called magic cards, and so again, I was talking to Donato about this, and he's the, the same thing, he did them about 20 years ago. <laughs> and all of a sudden, magic has gone through the roof. The artwork, the art on them has is it's like, oh my god, some of it's to, to its credit, the early work is not even that good, it's not technically not even that good. But one of them sold, if I saw the price right, it sold half a million dollars. It was like a painting like this, mm -hmm. half a million dollars on, on eBay. And it was it was one of the rarest pieces. And of course, I did art back then. And I did about 22 of these cards. And I sold all of them like younger when I was younger. And it was like they were maybe a few hundred bucks or whatever. And I'm finding out now some of them like go for a few thousands, you know, oh, yeah. and what's the, and I can't do anything about that. You can't, you can't look back and say, well, I wish I'd done this. But what I did do is I got these proofs, these simple magic proofs, and they sent it to me 26 years ago. Well, my wife and I unearthed them in a closet and I'm looking to them. Going, oh my God, these people love these things. Well, I started advertising them on social media. I had this. I couldn't keep up with them. It was like signing them, drawing sketches on the back of them, or what they would do is people would send me things and I would have to alter them. You do what's called a magic alteration where you paint on the card. And I just did this for a gentleman out in the, on the West Coast. And he, uh, you know, he paid me, paid me well to do this. And then I did a sketch of a card I did in 1997. I redid the sketch because the card was only about this big originally. Now I did the sketch something like this just just recently, and much better. I'm better artist. I'm better everything about it. And I've got a guy, and they're going to auction it. You know, so and I we did another auction of another sketch, and it went. It was a nine by twelve sketch that sold for like four hundred dollars. It was like it was a lot. It was. It did really well, and. Um, so, so I've sort of morphed into this other way of doing things that I, you know, back in the 90s, I was doing mostly a lot of company stuff and collector plates and all this kind of stuff like that. And now I've morphed into much more uh, uh, personal commission and interacting people directly, I think. Uh, what are the most important factors that you find in creating an artwork? Is it the composition, lighting? Lighting um, and the color and the 
sort of the, the, the there's got to be a, a simplicity to it. Um, I'm, I'm a guy that likes simplicity. If anything's too crowded, I, you know, it's just not me. I, I don't do that kind of work. I know artists who do that kind of work and they're great at it. It's just not me. I do something with a very central focus. That painting I did for the show that's coming up, if you look at it, it's a very central focused piece. And that's that's how I kind of do things. It's kind of like uh, uh, another artist I'm inspired by. His name is Arnold Beckler. And he did a series of paintings called The Isle of the Dead. And if you look them up, they are just, they are so, so foreboding and scary. And, and he did five of them, different ones. And all of them, I did my own homage to him by involving The Isle of the Dead in an illustration I did for a book cover. And it worked out really great. It was, it was absolutely perfectly, perfect use for it. So, yeah. Uh, and what is your most popular uh, painting that you've created or, or the one that fans uh, find uh, most beloved? Oh man, that is a hard one. Uh, lately, I'll tell you straight, it's been that that um, that Cthulhu painting uh, that I did for you. Uh, I have more inquiries on that, and I've sold <laughs> prints of it and G clays of it, and uh, which I will have available at the museum, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and I've had other things. I've had other paintings that are uh, dra a few. Dra my dragon paintings are very popular. It's hit and miss. It depends who the fan is, and depends what they like. It depends who they are. Some people like the straight science fiction stuff. They like my spaceships. They like like a spaceship on Mars, like a point, like a the pointed rocket on Mars. That's what they like. And so you know, I've done a few of those in my life, and those are very popular. What is the thing that makes your work uh, most worthwhile? Um, wow. Just the fact that um, it's just like you're, you're making something, it's tactile. This is my thing about actual physical art. It's tactile and you put your fingers on it, you put your hands on it, um, you can touch it, it has a presence. And that to me is what it is. It's the fact that I can touch it and work with it. And, and um, uh, you know, I can, I can actually, you know, work on it and with it. And nothing against, I know this is probably going to answer another question we had in there, nothing against digital artists. I think it's a wonderful digital artist. And it has nothing to do with the medium. It's to do with the talent. The problem with a lot of the digital artwork is some people think anybody can do it. And it just takes Photoshop. And I can, oh, look, I glue, I I stuck on Harriet's head on Uncle Henry's body. I'm an artist. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, so, so you've won a number of awards in your career, including all, all the Hugo Awards I mentioned. Yeah. Um, so how does it feel to be acknowledged as one of the top fantasy artists of our time? Well, it, it's it's great. I don't let, I don't tend to not believe my own press i let not let it go to my head uh i just say my what's your next what's your best picture your next one um i still get so many pictures i want to paint um life is getting on uh i became i went from 30 to 60 like that and i i, I it's not it's i don't i can sort of explain what the last 30 years went to but it's the last 10 years that really freaked me out and um uh yeah so i'm i'm just you know it's just sort of a uh it's kind of a weird feeling and I, I got these things and this and you know i have my differences with some artists they they have their own clicks and their own visions of things and what they think is important what they think isn't and all that and there's sort of a lot of debate that goes on like that and i'm still i'm still always i'm in a situation where i take on projects i like to do rather than things that i have to do which is a nice feeling and um and you know and what's happened to illustration lately has just 
you know, it's, it's really, really been uh, suffering at the fate of, again, people thinking they could do something easy and cheap and do it at home. And have you found it to be the case that a certain character you created uh, resonates with fans more than others? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I get like a lot of the Lovecraft requests. People like a lot of the Lovecraft type things. And of course, I've done a lot of Godzilla paintings in my life and people like Godzilla mm -hmm. and all that. And and the thing that the, the, the thing with Godzilla is that um, is I've done very well and got very famous doing some of that stuff. The only trouble is it's not mine. The character belongs to Toho Pictures in Japan. So effectively, in, in effect, the, the big money, they make all the money. They make all the money. So. What is your favorite Godzilla film, uh, let's say, from, from the Showa era, 1954 oh, to 1975? Easy, that's an easy uh, Invasion of Monsters, Invasion of the Astro Monster, otherwise uh, known as Monster Zero. Mine too. Yeah. And, oh yeah, and you know why? Because there's only 10 minutes of monster footage in it. And the rest <laughs> of it's just human action. And the star of it, Akira Takarada, is one of my very close personal friends in Japan. And his him and his son were friends with the whole family. And he's, he's now in his 80s, and he's... Uh, very nice gentleman, a very, very sweet gentleman. And, uh, and, uh, and then I got to meet Nick Adams' son one time. And that movie really was a turning point with the film, the series, because it was the last one Ishiro Honda would really work on until Destroy All Monsters. The last one DG Subaraya worked on because he went off and did Ultraman and he supervised the other stuff, but he really wasn't actively involved. And it also had a really, I thought just the human characters in it were really great. I thought Nick Adams was really with his like, uh, whatever's fair, pal. And like, you know, uh, you rats, you stinking rats, what'd you do to her? You know, I mean, that, I, that was just that really made that something very endearing about that movie. And, um, and the idea that it was aliens from space that, that came down. And, uh, and then, then there's that scene where Godzilla's pulled up out of the lake with a flying saucer and I just, it's just <laughs> magnificent. And, and uh, as that to me is my most entertaining one. That's the one I could just put on and plays in the background and I know everything going on in it. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's my favorite. All right. Well, th uh, that's all the time we have for now, Bob. Great. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Great. Thank you. Uh, much success with the show. Have, everybody enjoys it. Everybody enjoys it. All right. For more information, check out Bob's website at bobeggleton.com and our own websites, nrm.org, illustrationhistory.org, and visit the Rockwell Center for American Visual Studies at rockwell-center.org. I'm on Instagram, too. As always, don't forget to subscribe to uh, be notified for the latest content. Uh, this has been a production of the Norman Rockwell Museum. To watch the video of this podcast or to see the images referenced in this episode, please visit nrm.org slash podcast. New episodes from the Illustrator Studio are released every Monday. For questions or comments, please email us at podcast at nrm.org.